0: How to Be Fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine.
1: This is a big year.
0: Hello, and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I am Jalanta Greenberg.
1: In each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what is happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment, and we offer a bit of advice to those who want it. Now, full
0: disclosure, we are not psychiatrists, psychologists, pharmacists, or doctors, but we are experienced self-help critics. We've lived by the rules of nearly 100 self-help books for our other podcast by the book, right here in this feed. So we've tried on almost every kind of wellness trend out there.
1: And besides, the point of this is not to help you be the richest, happiest, most optimal version of yourself. If all goes well, we'll just help you feel a little closer to fine.
0: Jolenta, we have a couple of great advice letters to get to later in the show. But first, as usual, we have to kick things off with our hot topic, hot topic, hot topic.
1: Ooh, hot, steamy. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Kristen. And today's hot topic is gua sha.
0: Jolenta, I don't think I know what gua sha is.
1: Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what it is? Yes, of course. If you're interested in skincare and follow any of those types of videos on social media, you've probably come across gua sha videos. These are videos of usually women rubbing a uniquely shaped sort of quartz or jade stone along their faces. And usually they're talking about face sculpting. That's gua sha. Well, sort of. So hold on, it's crystals, which, Jolenta, I know you love. Being rubbed on the face. Right, right. Got it. And usually done in a specific motion, sort of scraped kind of upward along like jawlines and cheekbones. And done, at least on social media, for the purpose of facial sculpting. You say they're uniquely shaped, these crystals. What do you mean? These crystals are sort of flat, polished stones that are kind of in the shape of maybe sort of a stretched out heart. So there are different sort of curves and edges that you ah. can use to kind of contour the different edges of your face.
0: Okay, I've actually seen those in mm-hmm. the store before. I just didn't know that's what they were called. Yes. But yes, like in the section where I get like my face lotions and stuff, I've seen those.
1: Exactly. Also, they're, they're often marketed as sort of vehicles for helping to rub in lotion too, or a serum. Hmm. And I was not introduced to Gua Sha by social media. I was introduced to it by my rheumatologist. She is a Chinese-American physician who is very holistic in her approach. She recommends... Practices from traditional Chinese medicine and Western medicine, along with talk therapy and physical activity. Mm. And as you know, Kristen, I have lupus, and lupus give me a lot of skin trouble and scarring, especially on my face and my scalp. And the scars are tight and painful. So my rheumatologist recommended I try gua sha on my face and scalp where my scars are especially rough, to try to help promote circulation and stimulate some cellular regeneration. So after she recommended that, I was like, what is Gua I need to find out more about it. And so here is what I learned. It is a practice used in traditional Chinese medicine, and it is thought to be thousands of years old. That is way older than TikTok. Way older. Way (laughs) older. What's cool is that the name gua sha literally describes what it is. Roughly translated, gua means to scrape, and sha means petechia. And petechia are those little red and purple freckle-like dots that show up under the surface of your skin or in your eye after capillaries are broken. My mom calls them flat blood blisters. You know, there's those, oh. there's those little kind of dots you get. Like, even if you carry a bag that's really heavy, yeah, sometimes yeah, you yeah. can get them on your shoulder. They're not painful, but it happens when like teeny little capillaries are broken. Ah, It's also known as scraping because that's what you do with it. What's interesting, I thought, is that no one can pinpoint when people started practicing Gua sha. But from what I could tell... Gua sha or some kind of scraping the body with a stone or metal coin has likely been used since the stone age. Uh stone age using stones, of course.
0: Uh, <laughs> and that's
1: why it's called the stone age. But oh, we both <laughs> did a stupid I yeah, yeah. The first written record of the Gua Sha comes from medical texts written during the Ming Dynasty, which was 1368 through 1644, the late Middle Ages to early Renaissance period, for those of you more familiar with Western history. And Chinese immigrants and the practice of traditional Chinese medicine brought Gua Sha to the U.S. when immigrants started coming.
0: So not when TikTok made it popular?
1: No, no, not at all. (laughs) And for centuries, this scraping technique has been used on different body parts like the back, neck, and face to reduce inflammation, promote cellular regrowth, increase circulation, reduce fever, and reduce pain. That's a lot of
0: promises.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We love a good promise on this show. And, you
0: know, I love some skepticism, and I'm curious What's standing out to me is the crystal still. You're rubbing the right. crystal on your face. Right, right. Some of this to me sounds too good to be true. Are there any actual like longitudinal studies on whether or not
1: this actually, beyond the placebo effect, actually is effective? So recently, science has begun to prove that these benefits are pretty real, Kristen. Mm. A study published in 2007 found that Gua sha practice increased microcirculation when applied to the back and that it reduced pain. A 2011 study found that Gua Sha reduced pain in the neck. A 2013 study found that Gua Sha helped increase the ability of weightlifters to lift more weight and have more stamina. A 2016 study found an increased amount of active immune cells in the skin that was treated by the Gua Sha technique. And a 2017 study found that Gua Sha use reduced the symptoms of perimenopausal syndrome. So, mm. that is just a few of the studies that are out there. Turns out that Gua Sha has been around for centuries for a reason. It is effective, it does have positive effects on the body. So, Jolenta, your doctor was the first person to
0: tell you about this. You've done mm-hmm. some research on it now. Are you going to start practicing Gua Sha? Have you already?
1: I did start using it. I got a scalp quasha that's basically like a small curved comb made of some sort of quartz stone, and I also have a stone for my face that's sort of that elongated heart shape. Uh, I can post pictures of them on our Insta if you want to see it. How to be fine pod?
0: Mm. I, I will say the more you talk about it and you know these real studies which by the way we'll link to in our show notes mm-hmm. the more it almost sounds to me like massage in certain ways totally and we know scientifically that massage has enormous benefits for athletic health for physical health for a lot of different types of health that massage is good
1: for us so right.
0: if i make you know a comparison to massage I'm less skeptical about it. Less
1: comparison to crystals, more comparison to massage. Exactly. It's a massage with a tool that's sometimes made of crystal, but that tool helps you get into areas and like apply pressure differently than a finger could perhaps.
0: Exactly. Okay. That that makes way more sense to me. And you're right. I think I was fixating too much on the crystal. Like (laughs) my doctor wasn't
1: like, you got to get this crystal. My doctor was like, you have to try this sort of like tissue stimulation technique.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So now that you've started at Jolenta, has it actually benefited you in any way?
1: Yes, it has definitely helped. All of my doctors have seen a noticeable difference in the scarring on my face since I've started practicing gua sha. And the scarring on my scalp is much more flexible and much less numb. So I'd say it's definitely worked well for me.
0: But of course, I do have to bring all of this back to TikTok. How does this relate to TikTok and face sculpting and why it's been trending so much in the last year or two? Good question.
1: So to my surprise, Kristen, I started seeing this healing technique that my doctor told me about all over YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok about like a year, year and a half ago. And the people sharing Gua Sha tutorials weren't practitioners of traditional Chinese medicine, for the most part. They were white influencers using it as part of a beauty routine. Hmm. So apparently, about a year ago, celebrities like Ellen Pompeo, Gwyneth Paltrow, Elizabeth Olsen, and Kate Hudson started talking about using Gua Sha for facial tightening and as a way to rub in different skin products. Or but rather, they were talking about how the people that did their hair and makeup were were used in Gua Sha. Mm. And this, of course, carried over to beauty influencers and the Gua Sha craze took off on social media. But it kind of took off in the wrong direction, Kristen, the cultural appropriation direction.
0: Oh, we've never seen that in the Betterment world. This is something I've never heard of, Jolenta. It
1: happens all the time, especially (laughs) in this realm. If you look up Gua Sha on TikTok, you won't find what I expected when I learned about the practice, like a bunch of traditional Chinese medicine practitioners talking about like the healing benefits. You'll find a ton of tutorials for how to use the Gua Sha tool for sculpting and depuffing your face. A lot of before and after pictures of showing off like sharp jawlines and cheekbones that are supposedly carved out by the practice. And these have millions upon millions of views, and most of them feature white women, strictly speaking about the practice in terms of beauty and maintaining a youthful appearance. Ah, sounds nothing like what your doctor was having you try Gua Sha for. Exactly. Sandra Lanshin-Shu, an acupuncturist, traditional Chinese medicine practitioner and founder of the traditional Chinese medicine dermatology brand, Lanshin, has been speaking out about how misuse and appropriation of the practice basically prompted her to create her own line of products, which is great. She is combating cultural appropriation from within the industry. She told the Huffington Post, I knew if I didn't do it, there would be no Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine representation. I just felt like culturally it would be a sea of people speaking inaccurately about facial gua sha, and I just couldn't let that happen. I just felt protective of my medicine. And she and other AAPI entrepreneurs and traditional Chinese medicine practitioners have created their own lines of gua sha tools in order to sort of take back the practice. Companies like Lanxin, Yina, Mount Lai, and Snowfox are all owned by Asian American women. So look out for their products and content because as Sandra Lanxin Chu Told NPR, the whitewashing of Guasha is leading to the distortion of the practice, and this harms its credibility as a legitimate form of healing.
0: Ah, uh, yes. The meaning behind it is clearly getting lost. So, question Dolenta, yes. along with purchasing products from AAPI owned businesses, is there any other way we can help unwhitewash gua sha? It's like the eternal question in the betterment world. How can we unwhitewash this? Right.
1: Well, we can do our part, Kristen, by messing with the algorithms. Ah. You can unlike and say you want to see less of the videos that feature white faces treating gua sha as a way to look ten years younger and rub in your lotion. And you can like and share videos from AAPI creators that honor the longstanding history of the practice. That activity on TikTok, Instagram helps the algorithms learn to push content created by AAPI businesses and creators and not whitewash it as much. All right.
0: So, Jolenta, we've covered cultural appropriation. Are there any other downsides to Gua Sha, either in your experience or in your research
1: Well, since there is a lot of scraping involved, there is a risk of temporary tenderness and bruising. So if you're prone to bruising or bleeding, you might want to take it easy. And Healthline.com recommends that anyone with a clotting disorder or on blood thinners avoid the practice.
0: And knowing all this, Jolenta, are you personally going to keep using Gua sha?
1: Well, since it was basically prescribed to me by a doctor, I have still been using it from time to time, especially on my scalp because it has helped so much there. And I like to think that since a healthcare provider turned me onto the practice, I am able to see it as like part of my healthcare routine and not my beauty routine. But I have to say, since researching this, I have taken a break from the practice because I don't want to accidentally be contributing to a trend of white women claiming like, no, I get it. I do it the right way. So I want to make sure, you know, I'm mindful in my practice and really know all the history behind it before I'm just running around being like, you got to use this quartz. (laughs) What about you, Kristen? Have you ever tried Gua Sha or do you want to try it? What are you thinking? You know what I might want to do
0: is go to a Chinese practitioner and have them do it to me. You know, doing things ourselves is great to a certain extent, But I don't know if I trust myself to do Mm. it in the right way or do it in a respectful way or do it in actually a healthier, beneficial way. So I think I would want someone else to do it for me. Is that a a, cop-out?
1: No, that's the best answer. I wish I thought of it. I feel dumb now. No. I did have, you know, someone talk me through it like my doctor. But, yeah, I also want it done on my back because, like, it sounds incredible to have it done on other body parts, not just, like, your face or where you have scars on your head like me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And – you know, I, I'm a little bit hedonistic. I, I like being massaged. I like having people do things to me. And maybe I'm lazy and don't want to do them to myself. So, this would be a way for me to do that and maybe have some health benefits at the same time. So, yeah, I, I am not opposed to it. I might even be a little bit open to it, Jolenta. Ooh,
1: she's open. <laughs> she's open. A little bit open. She's open it. and it technically involves a crystal once in a while. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, it's ruined. The moment. Wow, over. wow, wow. Crystals. Wow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but what about you, listeners? We want to hear from You. What are your thoughts on Gua Sha? Have you tried it? Are you a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner? We would love to hear from you about it. You can write to us at Angelenta at gmail.com, or you can weigh in on the conversation at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Angelenta.
0: Coming up, we hear from a letter writer who's on the fence about getting a diagnosis. about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast.
1: Whoa, Dad, we're on Crunch Island. <gasps> He's Jean foot. <Lefout. laughs> and he stole our Crunch. Quick, the zip line.
0: He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. No! <laughs> no one steals my Crunch Berries.
1: I think you mean my Crunch Berries. Choose your own Crunch Venture with Captain Crunch.
0: Hey, everyone, we're back with our first advice letter of the day. Jolenta, what do they have to say?
1: All right. Our letter writer says, Dear Kristen Angelenta, Hi, my child, a preteen, was just diagnosed with autism literally yesterday. There is clearly a mountain of information I need to process on parenting this child, but a lot of what she struggles with are things that I struggled with as a young person. My question is this. Is it worth pursuing my own diagnosis of autism? Unlike, say, ADHD, there is no medication to help, of course. And at 45, it's not clear what I can achieve through therapy. But if I don't, I will always wonder, to know or not to know. Oh, letter writer, you and
0: I are so different. I am one of those people who wants to be diagnosed all the time for everything because I hate not knowing. I just want to know, what is the reason for this rash all over my body? What is the reason that you know, I'm getting up 10 times a night to pee? What is the reason? I want to know. I want to find out. That's me personally. So full disclosure, this advice that I'm giving you is very biased based right. on what I personally like. But beyond my own personal bias, I guess the other reason I would say yeah, find out is it sounds like it's something that you are genuinely curious about. It sounds like for you, it would help you explain your past to your present version of yourself. And I don't think that's ever a bad thing. It may also in the end, help you to have just additional information and tools that regardless of your diagnosis, can perhaps help you to better relate to your child and better help them through their diagnosis. So I don't see any drawbacks here. I can think of zero drawbacks to getting a diagnosis. But Jolent, I'm curious. What about you? Where, where do you stand on this letter?
1: The first thing I'm sort of picking up on in this letter is the fact that our letter writer says, if I don't, I will always wonder, which makes me ah, think yes. like that is usually a sign to me that like you kind of want to know there might not be anything to do about it, but it seems like you want to get some more information For me, and I can only relate this to getting uh, diagnosed with ADHD later in life, which I know is not the same, but even before going on meds, just having that diagnosis helped me sort of reframe years of like confusion and anguish and, you know, misunderstandings that go back to my childhood and just being able to sort of go back and rewrite my story knowing like, oh, I had ADHD this whole time. I wasn't like randomly defective or like, you know, acting out. That knowledge became really empowering. And just getting diagnosed is what helped reframe that for me. Plus, with a diagnosis, you can get specific counseling and help if you feel like you're struggling in any area of your life. Knowing that about yourself can help get you counseling that's more tailor-made towards you and your specific issues. But like, if you're functioning fine and don't feel the need to reframe anything from your past, I don't see a pressing need to get diagnosed – My mom has some difficulty with attention. And even though a lot of times mothers find out they have ADHD after their kids get diagnosed, like she couldn't have given two shits after I was diagnosed about herself. (laughs) Whenever I ask her about why she doesn't care, she's like, I'm doing fine. I've been doing fine for years. So like, why bother? It's not like I'm going to change how I do anything. So why do I need to know this? And I... I don't blame her. It's sort of a like, if it's not broken, why fix it scenario in her mind. But that being said, she texted me this fucking morning, actually, so weird that we're taping right now, saying she's been doing some reading on autism and like took an online test and was like, maybe I'll ask my psychiatrist about autism because I think I might fit the bill for that more than ADHD. And I'm like, what? So she is a little curious. And at, you know, Sixty, she is. <laughs> she is a little curious about her inner workings still, and even if she doesn't change a thing, I I do think knowing that about her could help her maybe see herself as less of like a bad student growing up or not that smart as a as an adult. You know? Yeah. So if you think it'll help you reframe things, definitely go for it. Even if you don't change how you're living your life at all, if you feel like you're good to go, like. Who needs a label? Two very different perspectives from Jolenta and from
0: me. But we want to hear from all of you out there. Would you get the diagnosis? What would you tell our letter writer? Let us know at KristenandJolenta at gmail.com. And uh, while you have your device out writing to us, whatnot, why not also rate the show at in your podcatcher, wherever you are listening, give us five stars. We'll take those five stars and we'll celebrate them and we'll celebrate you.
1: Coming up, a letter writer is worried about her parents. We are back with our second letter of the day. Kristen, would you read this one, please? Yes, I will. Our second
0: letter writer says, "'Dear Kristen Angelenta, I'm looking for some advice.'" I'm a senior in high school who will be graduating in exactly one month, wow, and then will be off to college this fall. My younger sibling was recently accepted to the boarding school I currently attend. This means at the end of August, my parents will have one kid five hours away and another 10 hours away. I don't think either of them are ready to be empty nesters. I want to do something special for them so they know that even though I'm an adult now, I still need and more importantly, want them in my life not me crying as I write this post. Anyways, thank you in advance.
1: Oh, letter writer. It's tough feeling responsible for that empty nest you're leaving behind. I feel you. And I feel like, especially as it sounds like you're the elder sibling, you feel some, some more responsibility to make sure your parents get the message that they're loved and needed, even if their kids are not at home. My first recommendation is... Maybe have like a scheduled little date that you have with your parents. Not one where you meet up, but one where you do a FaceTime, do a Zoom. Um, Maybe every Sunday evening, if you're not doing homework, you're doing a quick like game of cards over Zoom with the the parents. Or you just have a regular check-in time where you know you'll always talk to each other and like see some smiling faces over the phone. I think sort of a regular date helps make it feel sort of like routine. And for parents, they've been doing routines with their children for years. So I think it helps sort of scratch that itch of like, oh, gotta go do this thing. It's three o'clock with my kid. You know, It gives them a time and a place to literally be needed by you.
0: I think that's a great recommendation, Jolenta. And I agree with you, Jolenta, about this letter writer being very considerate, thinking about their parents. And just, I, I think you're an incredible sweetheart here.
1: Yeah, so sweet.
0: This is so sweet of you to be worried about your parents. I just want to start off by, first of all, reassuring you. Your parents are going to be totally fine. And not that you're saying this, but I just want to make it clear. You're not responsible for their happiness. And ding, ding, ding. they are adults who can make their own happiness and who already, frankly, have practice with kids being away from home. You say that you've been in boarding school for years already. So they already have practice with a child being away from home. And having another child now entering this boarding school system, they have some practice already. So they've been already getting used to this kind of setup. And so I just wanna reassure you, your parents are gonna be totally fine
1: They wouldn't have let you guys go that far away if they couldn't handle it, you know, somewhat, right? Yes, yes.
0: So they can handle it. They're going to be okay. It is absolutely going to be an adjustment for them. That's absolutely true. But they're going to be fine, and you're not responsible for their happiness. That being said, I want to second Lenta's advice to have maybe a weekly date on the calendar where you – check in with each other perhaps every Sunday night or Monday night or whatnot. I think that's great for you and for them. It doesn't have to be long and involved. It can just be like, you know, after dinner every Sunday night, we chat for a little bit, catch up with each other and whatnot. I would also recommend, if you don't already have it, having a family thread by text. So you can all just text each other whatever you're noticing that day, a picture that you take on your college campus, something, you know, yummy that you're eating at lunch that day, you know, send pictures, just check in with each other about your day, Uh, vent to your parents if you feel like it, oh, the worst thing just happened in class today, you know, keep that family text thread going. And it doesn't have to feel obligatory. It doesn't have to feel overwhelming. It really can be as simple as a couple times a week, just like I said, putting in a picture or just a couple sentences. I think that's totally fine. And I'd also suggest Having a date or two on the calendar when you're going to plan to see each other. I know it's quite a bit <laughs> in advance, but you know, planning for what you're going to do at an upcoming holiday, like Thanksgiving if you're in the States, or New Year's uh, regardless of where you are in the world. Maybe making a plan of what are we going to do, or is there a point where we're going to meet up halfway in between, And you'll have all summer to talk about these things and to practice and to make plans because before you go off to college, that's several months that you'll have to talk about these things. It doesn't just have to be you surprising your parents or treating them. It can be something that you and your sibling and your parents all sit down and discuss together what would be fun for all of you to do with each other, to stay in contact and continue to show your love and to have fun with each other.
1: Also, if you're really worried about what your parents are going to like do with themselves as empty nesters, even though like Kristen said, you're not responsible for them, if you and your sibling want to be super super nice, maybe get them like a class or like some sort of experience that they can do together to help sort of remind them why why they love each other and that like they can have fun without their kids. And they don't need to feel needed by children to to enjoy themselves. Remind them they have their own lives. That's just something fun that I know, like especially my in-laws have enjoyed when when children have left. That's a great suggestion, Jolenta. Just keep them busy elsewhere, you know?
0: (laughs) I think that's a great reminder to the parents. Like, look at all this stuff we have on the horizon. Look at the fun we can have together. Yeah. And just one more thing to add to that. Before you go off to college, before your sibling goes off to boarding school, maybe the two of you can write a letter together to your parents or get a special card or make a collage or something. Something that is, you know, just very personal and touching and letting them know that you'll always love them and need them and you're only a phone call away. And this isn't goodbye. This is just you getting educated. (laughs) It really isn't something that has to be dreadful, but sending them something sweet, saying something along the lines of, thank you so much for all you've done to take me this far in life. Remember, I'm never completely gone. And something along those lines. I think that would be really sweet.
1: Yeah. Cook them a nice dinner, spell it out in a card. I'll literally always need you.
0: Yes. (laughs) But I won't need you too much. Don't worry. (laughs)
1: And that's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge thank you to our production team at Stitcher, our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer slash engineer, Casey Holford. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm
0: Jolenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week and
1: stay fine. Ditcher.